Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. Uh, I want to apologize to listeners for uh, just some technical difficulties. Nate and I actually taped a pod last week that should have been there for you guys over the Memorial Day weekend, but um, uh, I, there's something going wrong with, with the way we uh, recorded that one and it didn't it didn't end up staying. So yeah, we're kind of re-recording it here. I know we've, it's been a couple weeks here since we've had a podcast. Part of it is technical. Part of it is just scheduling issues. Nate's been on vacation. Um, and uh, and last week, uh, Nate ended up covering the Indy 500. So uh, Nate's got his uh, his Hoosier bona fides in order now. He's been to the 500. Um, Nate, checking Nate, out the bucket what, list. Yeah, what was your big takeaway from from covering the 500? Oh, man, it is crazy to be an event like that. First of all, to be around like 350,000 people in the same stadium. And then like every single person is happy. At least they start that way. I'm sure certain people, you know, when dehydration kicks in and, and maybe some other, uh, you know, alcohol induced situations kick in, maybe they're not happy the whole time, but they're happy at the start of it. The buzz there is just unbelievable. And it's sort of this crazy mix of of life in the stands and the energy of it all mixed with you know, some of the, the dangers and the thrills of the racing. And I just thought like the, you know, the emotions of the drivers were were super fun to to see. And, and you know, we get a vantage point covering it where you get to, you know, you get to be down there with the cars. So you're kind of close. You get to kind of see it from the stands point of view as the cars whiz by. You see it on TV of the big picture. And then you see the drivers right after they, they finish. So it was like, there are so many ends to this. And I, being there com- was completely different for me than like last year I watched it on TV and I'll be honest, I didn't really get what the hype was in that situation, but being there completely transformed my mind on that. And it's something I think that if you haven't been to, you should go to because it's a, uh, it's kind of unlike any other sporting event because kind of feels like at least at the start, everyone's on the same side. Everyone's just kind of vibing and it's, it's just a great time for, for the vibes of it all. Uh, the vibes in the Colts facility, uh, the, the big news to come out of last week, which there, there's not a lot of news that comes out at this time of year. Um, news, I should say news that, that you can really take to the bank as something that's interesting or that matters a ton. There's not a ton of that kind of news this time of year, but there is if there's a rookie quarterback in the building. Um, and the big news from Thursday's session, Thursday's OTA session was, Anthony Richardson is taking first-team snaps. He's splitting them with Gardner Minshew. Uh, the Colts are doing it. That, that that was the plan all along. Shane Sykin, if you've been listening to this podcast since the draft, you know that um, both I and Nate have kind of felt like they were saying at the draft that they wanted to play him early. Sykin said the plan all along was to give Richardson practice snaps because you, you get this uh, – you, you spend this big draft pick on a player with all these talents – and you want to see what you have. You want to find out what you have right away. Who knows what they'll be in training camp? I would I would lean towards unless Richardson looks wildly overmatched, they're going to be sharing first team snaps when we get there too. But uh, he said that nothing has been decided that far. But for the foreseeable future, for the next couple of weeks here, I think it's three weeks. Um, is it three weeks left of practices? Yeah, yes. June thirteenth to fifteenth yeah. is the veteran mini camp. Three weeks, three weeks left of, of practices. They're they're going to have uh, split, um, split first team reps. And I think the other part, important thing here is, 
it seems obvious that they would do that, but it's not because in Carolina, Bryce Young is getting some first team reps with, with the Panthers under former Colts head coach Frank Reich. But in Houston, at least as of last week, I haven't seen if it changed this week. Uh, the number two pick in the draft, C.J. Stroud, was working explicitly with the second team. So, so it is a, a difference of of opinion there on on what they what the two teams are trying to do. Yeah, it's super interesting too when you break it down just in that that way of C.J. Stroud was, you know, with along with Bryce Young, considered the pro ready quarterback in this class, the guy who could step right in and doesn't need sort of a huge long ramp up, but. You know, they're, they're deciding to do it that way, whereas, you know, Anthony Richardson at what everyone said about him coming in the draft was that he's, you know, he is the youngest. He's 20 years old at the time, just turned 21 and has a lot of football to learn. And you would think that that would mean it's more likely that he is sort of a sit and wait guy. And of course, we heard people talking about, you know, should you redshirt him for the year? But it's just interesting how this has evolved to where like teams are just coming to different conclusions on all this stuff. And it's all based on kind of the timelines of of what that player needs and what the franchise needs and what it has and are they ready for each other or do they need to get ready for each other and they're all coming to different conclusions i don't quite understand why cj is not starting right away in houston other than maybe you know there are coaches who believe that it's a little bit more of an old school philosophy but they believe like you know you just have to earn it rookies come in you start low on the depth chart you move up and some of them want a quarterback to have to do it the same way that players do. I know when Baker Mayfield got to Cleveland, that's how they did it there. Um, but I think ultimately what matters way more than any of that is kind of what kind of development track that player needs. And with Anthony specifically, I very much came around on this kind of late in the process. And it sounds like the Colts did too, where I think exactly what he needs is reps, is that he's anything you – can point to in his game, whether it's a 53% completion rate, the, you know, some of the missed throws, anything like that really looks like a guy who just hasn't played very much 13 starts since high school. And so what you end up getting into is a situation like I think the 49ers had with Trey Lance, where he had only started one year after high school. Um, He needed reps, live reps, had a year off because of COVID came in as a backup under behind Jimmy Garoppolo and he's never gotten those reps between Garoppolo being there between injuries and it is I think it over time it has sort of taken away some of the things that made him exciting in the first place so Anthony I think is a guy who just needs to build on a lot of that and that means being willing to deal with growing pains and if you go back and look at how the Colts described this pick when they made it everything was sort of in that vein of it's not going to necessarily be pretty from a performance standpoint right away. It won't be the most polished uh, product, but they always seem to believe that what this kid really need was needed was to play, to figure himself out as a quarterback, strengths, weaknesses, and learn that way rather than kind of sit and wait. And that's that's the path that they're on right now, where he's splitting reps. And really, this race, this quarterback battle, it's going to be more about it's going to be about Anthony Richardson. It's not really about what Gardner Minshew does. If Anthony Richardson's ready. I think he's going to start pretty early in the year. Yeah, uh, I agree. I've been there. I've been there since the beginning. Um, you know, since since Sekin said uh, you get better by playing, and then Ursa echoed him a couple of days later. Uh, I thought one of the things that I was thinking during the practice last week that we were able to see we we see during the organized team activities, the media is present for one practice a week. Um, so it's not. 
it's only a glimpse. It's not the full thing. But one of the things that I was thinking about was just, so last week, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, was out because of the birth of, of his child. Um, and Josh Downs was out because of a knee injury. And Alec Pierce was playing, but kind of looked like um, he wasn't playing in the team settings. He's off on the other, the other field a lot when they were doing the, the full team work. And one of the things I was thinking about is if you don't give Anthony Richardson first team reps there, he's really not playing. He really wouldn't be playing with any of the receivers that you would think of as guys who are going to make the roster um, outside of a long shot opportunity. Because uh, the the second team guys they were throwing to were guys like Malik Turner um, and and some of these guys that they picked up in the offseason, Juwan Winfrey. Uh, guys that they picked up in the offseason who have NFL experience but are are not, you know, they're they're wild cards for the Colts. They're 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 lottery tickets essentially. Like if it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. They're scratch offs. But yeah, scratch offs probably a better way to put it. Like you, you hope you get something out of it. You don't know if you're gonna. You're probably not gonna get anything huge off of it. But you're just taking a chance. And so to get him in the huddle there with the guys he'll actually be playing with, um, most likely on Sundays. I thought was was probably better for his development than than putting him on the second team and having him and having him go throwing throwing to guys who might not make the team. Um, he did he did do some second team work. They are splitting the reps, but to give him time to start getting you know he's in the huddle with the with the guys who are expected to start. So those guys are getting used to him already. Whereas it's it's harder to do that if you're on the second team, which sometimes can almost feel like the third team. In this session, and then the, the, the same is true of the defense. When he was throwing, uh, uh, you know, against the defense, he was throwing against uh, the cornerback position because Juju Brents has a wrist injury, um, and and some of what what else they were doing, that the outside corners were not necessarily the starting caliber ones for a lot of the first team snaps, but if he's playing against the second team defense. Then you go even further down the down the depth chart to see where those guys are. So um, the the competition and getting him used to the guys who are going to be in the locker room uh, once they make the cut to fifty three plus the practice squad, I thought was is a big deal for for why you give him snaps early. Yeah, it's on a basic level, it's a way to introduce this player to his new teammates in a way that's sort of authentic and natural and not you know. The, the, it's the kind of work that they're going to eventually be doing here. And, and everyone just, it's its kind of embrace the reality of that. This is all going to be about Anthony. This is going to be Anthony's ship. Whenever it really gets to the point where, you know, he is the starting quarterback and, and that's like, they're going to live and die with that. And everyone's got to build him up and everyone's got to, um, and he's got to build them up in certain ways. And so that's kind of the thing that was like a couple of years ago, the bears decided to do it very differently from here where they drafted Justin Fields, you know, in the top 10 and they, they were in the same situation that where they weren't bringing back a quarterback. They didn't already have a starter, but they wanted to follow the Patrick Mahomes model of have him wait for a year behind someone else and only play him the following year. And that's where like, there were so many problems that formed with the way that they decided to do that, where Justin Fields wasn't getting chemistry or anything built with those first team wide receivers or first team linemen, the type of guys who are going to hear him in the huddle. It just wasn't really there. He was never getting first team reps, only second team. And then 
they ended up throwing him out there in like week three because there's such a such a call from the team to play the best quarterback on the roster. Andy Dalton wasn't getting it done, and then he got hurt, and all of a sudden, nothing was ready. No one was ready for anything. The scheme wasn't ready for him. The play calls were not ready for him. Uh, the team, the chemistry wasn't ready. Uh, let alone like the talent level around a young player when you're bad enough to pick that high is already a hurdle. So you just make it a lot harder on yourself to to kind of delay the timeline in that way. So it's one of these things that I think can work when you have when you have an Alex Smith and he's already that guy for a team and you, you know and, and you can sort of uh, send that draft pick to the back burner and still win you know eleven games or or whatever it was the Chiefs ended up winning. Uh, that that is a unique situation though. But without that, what I feared about the Anthony Richardson pick when they when it first became a possibility was that. This is a team that's going to have its sixth week one starter in six years. If you were going to create an extra hitch to that, of bring in an outside quarterback like Gardner Minshew, make him the next week one starter, and then at some undefined time you're going to throw Anthony out there, but nobody knows when that's going to be. I thought that was going to be a lot to put on a rookie head coach like Shane Steichen and a lot to try and smooth over for a locker room that's had so many constant questions about the plans at quarterback and what on earth they're trying to do there. For, year, for a few years now, ever since you know, since Andrew Luck hung it up, uh, this is a much more natural growth process where it doesn't mean that Anthony is going to go out there and and be amazing. It doesn't mean that this is a playoff team. It probably is not. It's usually the way this goes. But there's a growth trajectory here, and there's everything feels meaningful. Everything feels like even if we struggle, we're in the process of getting reps and experience for this rookie quarterback and building him up because ultimately he's going to be the reason we or a contender or not. And I think when you have everybody kind of flowing in that direction, that's kind of what makes a productive organization versus the time that splinters really quickly when you just have these undefined timelines and you're kind of left guessing. Yeah, the the key is to, to whether or not you can sit your rookie quarterback, I think is is what's the what's the option in front of you? You know, Aaron Rodgers sat because Brett Favre was in front of him. Patrick Mahomes sat because the Chiefs already had a division-winning roster with Alex Smith. And, well, Mahomes, you know, obviously has elevated that to a completely different level since he took over as the starter at the time. You know, that was that was a Chiefs team that was going, hey, we, we've got a bite at the playoffs here. Um, and and we're going to stick with Smith at least for this year, knowing that we're going to make, make the move there. Even, even sort of the same thing with – with San Francisco, which maybe is part of the reason San Francisco's had so much trouble. Um, I think one of the reasons that San Francisco's had so much trouble developing Lance is that the there's always an option that can maybe get them further than than Lance is if you throw him in there. Not not I don't think we're talking about great level play, but I mean the the Niners went to the NFC Championship game and into the playoffs the last couple of years with revolving doors of quarterbacks and you know they they kind of, in the NFL if you have a chance to win you kind of have to maximize that. I think I think one of the things that's interesting about this Colts team and one of the things that makes it likely that Richardson starts early is that ownership, the team, everyone kind of knows um what you already said that there's there's a chance that this this team a pretty significant chance that this team is not uh, a playoff contender next year. But Ursay said, way back at the owners' meetings, 
Um, this is when I should have started saying that I was thinking more about Richardson and with some of this stuff, but I talked myself out of it because uh, sometimes I sit back in the cover too too much. But he was saying he kept referencing Peyton Manning's rookie season in 2001 when the Colts went six and ten, and that uh, he knows that sometimes with rookie quarterback it's going to take patience. And I think that's part of this is the, the Colts went are going into this season with the boss, knowing that it might not be great from a wins and losses standpoint right away. What he's looking for is just a sign that they're headed in the right direction. And he's, he's kind of put it out there um, pretty, pretty explicitly to, to feel that way. Richardson's got to be on the field. Um, so I, I think that every indication we have so far is that they're going to try to get Anthony Richardson on the field as soon as they can. Yeah, and that's where it's an interesting sort of balance because they're going to talk patience and they're going to talk, you know, not overreacting to, you know, the performance or expecting it to be perfect. And yet if we know how this works. There's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be, I mean, we're seeing it already where uh, national shows and aggregators are jumping on the just any littlest thing that comes out of OTAs and the things set at a podium. I mean, there was recently just, Coaches up there talking about how Colts coaches talk about how they thought Anthony's pocket presence on film at Florida gave him a chance to sort of step in and not be overwhelmed. And that quote I've seen spun so many ways to where all of a sudden it was Anthony has blown everyone away by his practices out at OTAs, which if you look into it, it's like there, there is no pocket presence to those settings when you can't touch the quarterback really. Uh, it just it just shows you kind of the hyperbolic nature that this is is going to be. It's going to be that in training camp when we're in, in we're part of that. I mean, we're we're going to be tracking the throws and writing a ton about Anthony and uh, you know, but also trying we're going to try and pump the brakes. And there's you're just going to see things go in either direction. Where there's going to be moments where people think you know this is you know if you're looking for flashes that make this look like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you're going to latch on some of that and, and get all excited. And then there's going to be moments where you know, maybe he doesn't do as well in a joint practice or a preseason game. And then everyone's kind of worried about, you know, is this, you know, is this a guy who can throw at this level? Is this, and then that's all going to be kind of that outside noise. And they're just going to find a way to sort of within their building have that even keeled patience, patient approach, which I think starts, it's going to be difficult on some levels, but it's going to start with having a timeline that makes sense that's like, you know, he's out there getting reps because he understands the offense and he's not rattled by it. But it's not a sort of, you know, what you want to avoid is a situation like when Tua was a rookie quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick was behind him. And anytime Tua didn't play well, they may pull him in the middle of a game. Like they've got to have a timeline that makes sense within their building and everyone's on board with. And within that, hope that they're, you know, that the Anthony and everyone around him secure enough to kind of handle what's going to happen around them and it, you know, the hysteria of, of fans and all that noise, because that part they can't control. And I know they're, they're trying hard to pump the brakes and all it's not, it's going to happen that way, no matter what. But I think part of why they drafted Anthony, why they came around on him was they believed he had this sort of light, light positive uh, personality that, that is blessed and motivated by the moment and maybe less affected by that. But of course, they're never going to really know until we're in those moments, you know, those highly scrutinized moments. Uh, he came from some of that at Florida, and we'll just kind of get to see 
how it how it plays out as it comes this year because that's going to be the constant storyline is this huge swing of uh evaluation of him whether it's you know whether he's amazing or whether he's he's a bust it's we're gonna feel all that this year and it'll be kind of kind of crazy yeah that's just that's just kind of the way the the nfl machine works now is you're constantly um if your your fate is constantly being decided on a on a quarter by quarter basis um you know and and he he is gonna have to deal with that i think one of the good things is he's been he's been dealing with that in a way that like a guy like trey lance has not um Mm -hmm. you know some of these other smaller school quarterbacks uh they didn't have to go through the same kind of pressure you face in the sec uh if you're you know anthony richardson's a local kid he's from the gainesville area he he at one point was wearing tim tebow's number uh and and just even if it, even if none of that stuff was true, like that all adds on to it. But even if none of that stuff is true, if you play at Auburn, at Alabama, at Florida, at Georgia, at LSU, Tennessee to some degree, um, the expectations on you as a highly recruited quarterback are essentially Heisman or bust from the moment you 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 commit. It's not even from the moment you uh, sign a letter of intent. Like it's from the moment the first time you say. I'm going to this school that that all gets thrown on you. And I think that that's probably helpful in this case, going into the NFL, it's going to be a different kind of pressure. Chris Ballard said that over and over again. Um, Obviously it's a different kind of pressure in the NFL, but it's also not the first kind of pressure that Anthony Richardson's going to feel. Anthony Richardson's been under the, under the gun at Florida um, from the moment maybe for him, maybe even more, maybe even before because of the, the local angle. But he's he's been under pressure for a long time in his career. And I think that probably helps. It's probably better than coming from North Dakota State. Um, where, I mean, frankly, I, I'm sure North Dakota State has a has a good fan base for what they are, but it's not the SEC. It's not like it's not tree killing if your team loses levels of of intensity. Which is not an exaggeration. We've literally had trees killed. Yeah, over I, it. I I literally covered Harvey Updike's trial when I was covering Auburn. So yeah, like that's if if, if listeners don't know who we're talking about, that's Updike U P D Y K E. You can Google it and find out exactly what I'm talking about. But it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing with that too is like there is there's an advantage to the fact that Anthony did struggle last year because he had to deal with the negative sides of that. You know from from the fans, from the media, from you know guys in his own program, where that program is in just a lot of transition, a lot of players trying to get out of it at the end of the day in Molinera, trying to kind of warm up to Billy Napier and, and rosters turning over transfers in there. He had to be the kind of guy that was, you know, at the center of that, blamed for it in some ways, and in some ways responsible, you know, obviously for his for his own play too. But that's one thing. It's Trey Lance. Uh, you know, that last year at, at North Dakota State, uh, he didn't throw a single interception, you know. And so it's like it's one of these weird things where you credit a player for uh, obviously for playing well and being at that spot. But what you lose sometimes in this small sample window uh, where things were easy is that it is not, you know, analogous to what's going to be in the NFL. I think about a guy like Sam Darnold was like that in a different way where he started for – 
a little under two years at USC, came in sort of midseason, led them to the Rose Bowl next year, led them to the Cotton Bowl. And it like played super well, played really, really well. But it was like that level of what he needed to do and, and at that point, like 10, 11 wins at USC was a big deal. Um, you know, he's playing in the Pac-12, didn't end up playing in the college football playoff. He just didn't really, I think, ever kind of hit the adversity uh, really in his upbringing or there to prepare him for what it was ever going to be like in New York City playing for the New York Jets in a really bad franchise in the AFC East and everything that came with that. And there's nothing that's perfectly going to prepare them for that. But there's certain adversity points in a guy's life and also in his his time on the field that I think Anthony has had. So there's flashes within his personality and within his play that make you feel like he's at least not going to be kind of rattled. He's not going to see ghosts, which is sort of the famous line that Sam Darnold said in a, in a Monday night game, but it's something they talk about with rookie quarterbacks is they end up getting so consumed by how fast the game moves, how hard the game hits and how, how much defensive coordinators and entire defensive players, veterans are trying to trick and fool rookie quarterbacks to where they end up, they end up not pulling the trigger. They end up holding the ball too much. They end up bailing on a pocket before there's pressure. They think that there's going to be a problem before there even is a problem because they're not used to working through those problems. Whereas what I think helps Anthony, the reason that coaches have brought up his pocket presence is that in a very literal football way, he does not look rattled out there when he's back there and he's under pressure and the play's breaking down or someone's not open. That's where he's kind of the most impressive, uh, you know, moving around the pocket. Now that doesn't mean he always does the right thing. He's had a lot of incompletions and he's had some turnovers that way, but he's not scared of those moments. He's not changing his process based on those. If anything, what we've heard is he can kind of be worse when it's easy, when, when there's not guys around him is when it kind of goes, but they really like the, that he was, he was, he's been raised in a way that he could step in there and it's, it's going to be a struggle at times as it always is with a rookie quarterback on a rebuilding team. But they thought he was both physically and emotionally and mentally built for that in a way that gives them a chance to play him early and not feel like they're going to ruin his confidence. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, one of the hard things is like none of that guarantees anything for a player. Um, you can be very confident and very adjusted, and it doesn't necessarily mean that everything works out perfectly for you because uh, there's there's just markers you have to hit in terms of when you see when you see something that right, you have to recognize it in real time and make the throw and that that it doesn't necessarily matter how much film study you do or how much uh, how well you know the, the the split second of that um, is is kind of what separates the the great from the good or the good from the the bad or the bad from the backup. Um, and so none of this stuff is a guarantee. Like none of that kind of stuff is a guarantee that Anthony Richardson is going to be successful as a cold starting quarterback. Um, but it's good stuff to have. It's good stuff to have, and it it it, it takes away. To me, it, it takes away some of the stuff that could derail him in a, a different way, um, or 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 keep keep him from from trying to tap into that ceiling that he's obviously got within his body. Is is some of the stuff we're talking about? Is it just gives him it gives him some uh, advantages that that you might not have with another player. Um, same thing with same thing with him. 
you know, having the presence of mind to want to bring his family up here, give himself a uh, some familiarity. I think I think there he's from what we've heard. There's there's he's done a good job of either eliminating or going through some of of the stuff that can derail a quarterback off the field, and that that make that allows it to be just about what happens on the field and whether or not someone can do it. You know. Um, and you know he's he's got all the tools in the world. There's a lot of reasons to like what what he's seen or what we've seen. It's just you know he's we're going to end up seeing what, whether or not he can go out and do it. I think I think that kind of brings back brings us back to where we started this, which is that's what the Colts are doing right now. The Colts put him in the lineup to see what he can do, um, and where they can take him as a rookie. And you know they've got they've got a coach who's good at that. They've got a coach who's good at that with after coordinating for Jalen Hurts who. Jalen Hurts was not a rookie in Philadelphia in 2021, but he basically was. Um, given how bad of a dumpster fire that team was when he took over the starting job in 2020 and the fact that there was a head coaching change. And then also, you know, Justin Herbert's actual rookie season with the Chargers. That This is something that Steichen's been through before and done before. And I think that one of the interesting things is that, you know, when Steichen was the offensive coordinator with the Chargers, they didn't start Justin Herbert right away. It took it took a mistake by their medical staff to get Tyrod Taylor out of the lineup and put Justin Herbert in. And I I, I I'll admit I didn't I don't remember um, or or didn't follow the Chargers closely enough to remember who who was putting the um, who was putting the handcuffs on Herbert. I don't know if it was an Anthony Lynn thing. I don't know if it was a Steichen thing. But I I have wondered if that is part of why Steichen believes guys should play right away is having been through that with Justin Herbert and seeing how ready he was right away when the team didn't give him the starting job uh, initially. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought through it that way, but it was sort of a blessing in disguise was to learn well, what happens if you do play him right away and what what advantages are there to you figuring him out and him figuring the, himself out. With Herbert, he played super well that year. It was offense rookie of the year, so that may not be, uh, you know, that may not be a forecast for every player's situation. But I think Jalen Hurts was another example where, like you said, he was he had a year before he started, but not not a real development track, not a, you know, he wasn't he wasn't groomed to be the starter that year. It was supposed to be Carson Wentz's team until it wasn't. He wasn't in the same system, so they got to kind of see the rawness of playing that guy early when he had concerns about you know, accuracy and in throwing across the middle. And what what ended up happening that way is they, they uh, the Eagles built an offense around what he could already do well, which is a lot of the, the running. Um, he could throw kind of outside the numbers that way. And, and then over time, like this is what happens in the NFL, is you learn a lot about like how defense, what they, when they really study this, they see what, what they think you can't do, and then they make you do it. And eventually later in that year, uh, that in, in 2021, uh, what happened was, you know, the Eagles made the playoffs. They had an amazing run game, and, and Jalen Hurts played fairly well. But late in the year, teams were finding any way they could to force him to throw across the middle of the field. And the, the, the Buccaneers faced him in the playoffs, and, and the Eagles were not ready for that. And but that was a lesson to them. That was a lesson of, like, what the next step in his evolution was. That's partly why they went out and traded for A.J. Brown was to accelerate that growth and give him – confidence give him a playmaker across the middle of the field and then that set up this past year where he's the runner-up in the mvp 
So these things, playing them early on, it creates sort of like stress tests where sometimes you have to throw them into the deep end. Uh, sometimes you have to figure out kind of what all the issues are before you can go and correct them. You're just not going to see it in practice the same way. Some of it is, you know, it's it's the situation, it's the pressure, it's the some of it's uh, internal, some of it's external. It's it's like there's so much going into this. If you guys, if you ever watch like Bar Rescue, they do like the the stress test where they intentionally just flood a bar with like more people than they can handle, knowing it will fail. But that gives them the very specific areas they have to fix rather than just saying he's not ready. Like, we're not ready for that. So let's not do it. That's what's going to happen with Anthony Richardson is if he plays, if this continues this way, is that getting first team reps in like a joint practice setting and training camp, being that first guy out in more reps in preseason and then playing early on in the year and having 17 games to see 17 different uh game plans against him that's going to teach them the specific areas they have to go to to get that accuracy better to get some of the decision making better and it's just kind of all about like can he can he grow in that way can you work the way they want to can you you know can can you kind of that even though he's going to make some mistakes like this is all purposeful this is the work is not being wasted. There's a much greater purpose here to developing him in this way. And that's where ultimately I think the flashes of upside are going to really be what make it here is that if you have a game where he's going to have some games with probably some bad completion numbers, but if there are, you know, just a couple of big throws, a couple of uh, escapes out of pressure, you know, a couple of runs where he shows off that size and speed, just those kind of flashes, even if you end up losing a game, even if like that, that's what ends up giving hope to a franchise. The Bears finally got it last year with Justin Fields, where they finished with the worst record in the NFL, pick number one. But there were just enough of those rushing upside moments and some passing that it like it got the people within the organization to say, like, we can work with this. We can build on this. And that kind of hope matters way more for a three win team than I think even where uh, the Colts were a couple of years ago, where they had a nine win team. But they had no answer at quarterback, no belief. And like you were just trying to get this, trying to get people inspired again. And that's going to come down to how you bring those flashes out of Anthony. Yeah, Jim Irsay was talking about this at the owners' meetings. He's referenced it since then again. But the story he keeps telling is that the Colts played the Niners um, in the 2001 season when the, the Colts were 6 and 10. And the Niners beat the Colts pretty good. And Eddie DeBartolo, the, the, then the owner of, of San Francisco, walked up to Ursay at the end of the game and said, hey, you guys are going to really be something because of what they had in Peyton Manning. And Ursay's point has been that you can tell when progress is happening. You don't doesn't necessarily have to show up in the wins and losses, but it's, it's pretty evident to everyone uh, if a team is on the right track. And and what's interesting is, and something to kind of tuck away in your brain, is that, that that reference, I'm pretty sure at the owners' meetings, my memory was in reference to Chris Ballard's job security and, uh, you know, whether or not he had to win, given that it was going to be a, a rookie quarterback um, this year. And so I think that that's something to keep in mind going forward as you look at Ballard and and Ursay and how they're how they're evaluating is that's what Ursay's looking for. Ursay's looking for the the evidence that they are headed in the right direction 
regardless of what the record is after after bottoming out last year. Yeah, and essentially you look at quarterbacks drafted who have played early on and really the kind of flashes they show, I think, really answer that question for you. Ultimately, it's not so much about kind of this final stats of that player and the winning. You've got to come into it understanding that like Andrew Luck leading the Colts to the playoffs in his rookie year, that almost never happens. You know, Dak Prescott did it when he stepped in for an injured Tony Romo on a Again, a team, a Cowboys team that was loaded took him in the fourth round. But mostly when you draft a quarterback in the top 10, you're a bad team and the guy's a rookie. And that almost never does that just elevate a team in the playoffs. Justin Herbert threw 39 touchdowns and the coaching staff got fired because they had a losing record. So it's more understanding about like, can he show those signs of growth? So is he better by the end of the year than he was at the start? That kind of stuff. Can he be that teammate that even when he's struggling brings everyone on board and shows like he's doing everything he can to uh, fix the areas that he knows he needs to get better at? Is he there for you? Is he trying to play within the offense and not kind of just take it all, you know, in hero mode? And then is are there those moments that you look at and you say like, okay, that's different. That gives us hope. And I'll, I'll let you kind of expand on this. You had a good example you brought up before, but like Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen, you know, started out in a uh, very different Josh Allen that we see now, but his team was, you know, his team was winning enough with him going to the playoffs. And I think at the time on the outside, we, people were pretty critical of Josh Allen. It was like the numbers weren't impressive, but I, I think there were signs early on that that team found hope within kind of the variance of his play. We You can look at it as a negative, but like, I think there was hope just based on some of the unpredictable nature of how Josh Allen played. Well, like the, the Josh Allen that I keep thinking about um, is, is it, it's really not necessarily in relation to the Colts. It's just sort of a, a fun memory every time uh, I'm watching a Bills game on TV is that there's, there's this version of Josh Allen in 2019, when the Bills kind of snuck into the playoffs, it was a big deal they got in the playoffs. You know, the B- Buffalo had had so little um, success at that point. And that version of Josh Allen, it felt like anything could happen on any given play. I mean, it was like, and, and people say that about a lot of people, but it really was like that with Josh Allen, where there it was like, he could throw a touchdown pass. It could be a four-yard completion. He could inexplicably be running with the ball and try to change hands and the ball, just like lo- lose it on him. He could throw an interception. Um, I-, I just remember the, the the kind of the jokes that everyone was throwing around about Allen. And then he turned into, you know, one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL, basically the next season. And, and that probably is, is one of the interesting things about giving your quarterback a chance to learn on the job is you don't necessarily know when they're going to really take the next step, but getting them out there, getting them a chance to see what's going on, get, getting them, getting them a chance to make mistakes. Um, you know, Josh Allen fumbled the ball 14 times in, in 2019. And I know he had some turnover issues last year, but you know, he hasn't been, it hasn't been as um, as big a deals as it was in 2019 because of what else he's giving you, giving the bills in terms of, 
yardage and touchdowns and all that stuff. Um, and he's never he's never fumbled it 14 times again. He did fumble it 13 times last year. But you get a chance that the, the player gets a chance to learn what works in the NFL and what doesn't and to correct his own mistakes. And I think that that's what the Colts keep saying is, you know, you learn by playing. A quarterback learns by playing. And like we said earlier, the, the only thing that keeps a, a, that should probably should keep a guy from playing if you believe that that person is going to be your future is that you have a, pl- a guy who can get you to the playoffs and maybe to the Super Bowl in front of him. And for whatever reason, he has to stick around for that year. That's that's probably the only reason to sit someone, which I don't know if I would have said that. However, meant like, you know, when I first started covering the NFL or even in the last couple of years, but just the more we talk through it and the more we think about uh, Richardson starting, it just seems to make sense. It just sort of makes sense to me. Like Gardner Minshew, starting Gardner Minshew this year, you kind of know what his, well, you don't kind of, you do know what his upside is. He lost two games as a starter with an Eagles roster that was incredibly stacked last season. So you're not going to be successful from a wins and losses standpoint. And if that's true, then why not have Anthony Richardson be taking first team reps right now, be taking first team reps in training camp and be taking the first snaps of the season? Why not? What, what's the downside? The downside is only that you could somehow break Anthony Richardson. I think that the upside of getting a chance to figure out who he is, what he does best, how that works in the NFL, and to streamline the offense going forward for him the way the Eagles did with Hurts, the, the, the upside of that is so much more than any potential downside that there's going to be um, you know, a David Carr situation, which I, I think that the Colts are probably – I think Shane Seikens pretty much smart enough to keep that from happening. Yeah, you just have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the players on his team and, and coaches to an extent too where you get consider that like everybody's job security is tied to this position and the success of it creates success for others or takes away from it. But also it presents that hope like if the owner is judging it on the progress – that's going to come down to how that quarterback plays. And you look at like how these, uh, for example, like you brought up Kansas City. If the Chiefs had decided that they wanted to just play Patrick Mahomes, his development is the most important thing, that would have rankled the locker room to have Alex Smith on the team not playing, to not play your best quarterback. And if they missed the playoffs doing that, it's like you wasted a year in the prime of these athletes who don't have forever to wait around. So that was like where it made sense to just play – the better quarterback and let the, you know, the rookie learn uh, through osmosis and the few reps that he was able to get that year. Uh, The, you know, if you don't have that, it's all about kind of that, that conversation here, because like Brett brought up with Gardner is that Gardner Minshew, you know, he certainly is a capable backup quarterback. That's why they signed him, but he's eight and 16 as a starter. He isn't a guy who elevates a bad team to winning. And so if you're out there and you're not winning in the, passing game is at a high level. What happens is if you were still not going to play the rookie quarterback, when that's happening, you end up creating questions in the players around them, which when they start to wonder, why did we draft this guy at number four overall? Or like, what, what is keeping him from getting on the field? And it's either, you know, they either believe he should get on the field. So there's a disconnect with the coaching staff of you're not playing the best guy or it's okay. Maybe we are playing the best guy and that's concerning to us. That's where I think at times, the 49ers have gotten with Trey Lance where there's a loss of trust and belief in what he is and what he's capable of because they haven't thrown him in the deep end yet. They haven't, um, 
they and they haven't been able to massage it forever uh, because of the injuries of Jimmy Garoppolo. There's been a need for other quarterbacks, and he hasn't, you know, been able to totally rise up and win that team over. So it's kind of all just about like how, how teammates are going to gravitate around the growth of that player and the upside of him as a person and as a and as a player and how he and like you said how he responds to mistakes and they're like the kind of reason I went with Josh Allen was that. There are a lot of mistakes in in those first couple of years out of him, and some of them like really bad ones. But it wasn't a matter of like he wasn't unaware of those mistakes, and he was working really hard to fix them. And um, there were new challenges to him that he didn't have at Wyoming. And eventually, over time, the day to day process of that playing out, that's going to tell teammates whether this is a guy you want to rock with or not. Because you look at some of the guys where the teams have pulled the plug really early. It's it's often because of that. It's both performance wasn't good enough and the response to the performance wasn't good enough. So Zach Wilson, for example, you know, just became kind of, you know, he ran into a lot of excuse making late in the year, didn't seem to take the ownership they wanted out of him. And it really frustrated a team that thought they were going to have to go to the playoffs. Josh Rosen, kind of in a different way, um, I think there was a little bit of that in his first year in Arizona, but also there wasn't, there weren't those flashes of upside of the athleticism, the big, big time throws that instilled belief amid the struggles to where you say, okay, we've got to fix mistakes, but there's like this, this huge ceiling to chase. It's both this mix of like, it's ultimately the upside of that person and that uh, in the, the play. And then the readiness to me is less about, the readiness of their, you know, the polish of their arm. It's more the readiness of them as professionals, as people to kind of deal with the struggles that are kind of guaranteed to happen for rookies, but do it in a way that's very team first and you're controlling as much as you can your own progress. Uh, that's ultimately what guys are going to want to see. And when they see that, when they get those flashes of upside and they see this person we can believe in too, you just it's amazing to feel the shift in an organization when they believe they have that guy or they could build that guy. That's what everyone's looking for. It's not perfection. It's not polish. They're looking for hope. And uh, in that in that vein, that's sort of what makes these these practices seem more important or bigger than uh, than they actually are in terms of the stuff we're watching right now. I I am you know famously famously i think on the beat by now uh very interested in training camp and care deeply about what the what the team is going to do in terms of training camp uh, on a day-to-day basis and like like to see how guys stack up and how they develop and how things change over the course of training camp um but the, the practices we see right now well i think that they're important especially to shane steichen um as a new head coach, I don't think that there's a ton that we can get out of them in terms of, okay, I saw this happen on the practice field. Anthony Richardson is going to be a star. Or I didn't see this happen on the field. Anthony Richardson is not going to be with the Colts drafted him. Um, but this is a franchise that desperately needs hope. And so the fan base is looking for that. And I think that that heightens some of the stuff that we see with Richardson. Um, I mean, one of the reasons that we haven't done like a – or that I haven't done a, a – heavy observation style uh, thing on any of the practices so far is that they're, they're not getting a lot of reps. There's not a lot of reps to go on. Whereas like in training camp, typically the number one and number two quarterbacks will throw somewhere in the range of 10 to 15 passes a day uh, in 11 on 11. And, you know, maybe more than that in seven on seven. 
what we're getting right now is like five or four or it's it's not a lot and so we're, we're trying to tell you what we're seeing and what we're hearing from them but i would caution and i think we've tried to do this but i just want to kind of end the pod here is just none of these are predictions of future stardom or future bustum neither neither one is that it's just we're just giving you this is this is what anthony richardson did today this is what it looked like and then you can file it away for later you can file it away for later and and whether or not it's going to mean anything when we get to training camp when we get to the regular season when we get to next season it's it's and some people would say well in that case well why pay attention to it at all because all of this, all of this ends up being pieces that matter later on. And so the best way to do it when you're looking to evaluate a young quarterback or any quarterback is you start with where they are, and uh, and and you and you just keep track of everything, and then you find out what matters later. Philip Rivers' season is a very different situation, obviously, than Anthony Richardson. But Philip Rivers' season is something that I always kind of try to remind myself of, because in training camp of Philip Rivers' season with the Colts. He completed a ton of passes, and the offense was pretty efficient from what we could see. Um, and then the the season started, and the offense didn't look that great right away. Rivers had two really bad games against Jacksonville and Cleveland, and everyone said, well, why did you report any of the completions that he had in training camp? Clearly, he's done. And right about that time, Rivers and Reich figured something out, and he was much more efficient. He looked much more like the training camp quarterback for the rest of the season and got them in the playoffs. And so that's, that's one of the things I try to remember is, or that's one of the reasons I always think about that season is if you've seen it before, then they can get back to it. And it doesn't mean that a two game, that two really bad games and three offensive wins that were wins that were offensively weren't spectacular. It it doesn't mean that they're not going to be efficient the whole season. So um, that's just sort of how we're looking at it. Richardson is a different case because Richardson has so much upside that Rivers did not have. But it's important to know, like, these are just pieces, and it's stuff to remember later on when the real games are happening and something is surprising or not surprising. That's when all this stuff comes back up again. That's kind of like we're trying to put together a puzzle that has, like, 500 pieces. And when we're out at these, we may find, like, two pieces. And that helps. You need those pieces. You'll, you'll need those pieces eventually to get your entire picture. But that's all they are. And I'm, I'm kind of that same way in training camp where I everything to me is sort of like a, a stock report or this is what happened in the moment. This is catching up to speed of the right now. And I love looking back at some of those precipices where we can look at like, you know, did it look really bad at a certain moment and what changed from there or why was it bad at that time? Or maybe it looked really good at a certain moment. Why is it not living up to that? We had to do that last year with with Matt Ryan and some of the postmortem of why that didn't play out. And I think the issue is or the reason it gets the way that you're talking about is just like fantasy football, I feel like, has so many people wanting definitive answers right now. You get so many questions in training camp about like what's someone's role and what's the depth chart and what what's going to like how many how much action they're going to see. And then when it doesn't work out, you know, they feel burned by the information they got because they read into something like someone working with the first team for one day on August 4th. You know, it's like 
all we ask is like follow all follow along. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know we thank you. And if you follow the Any Star coverage, that's awesome too. But that's what's eventually going to help us put the the puzzle together. Is you'll be following it all along, and you'll realize like all this stuff was there. Like if there were concerns, if there were bright moments, we're going to document it all. But to me, it's like we're we're telling this entire story, and there's just going to be chapters to it. Right now, it's the OTA and the introduction for Anthony. That's one chapter. Training camp will be another one. Uh, you know, first start, first, you know, same like when you raise it, when you, uh, Joel's going through this with a, with another young kid at home, but like when you raise a kid, the, the first for everything they do, like that becomes part of the story too. That's what this is going to be. Uh, the difference here though is like the first here are very like, uh, you know, they're maybe not as monumental and they don't necessarily answer everything for us, but they're all going to be part of that puzzle in the end. And at the end of it, we're going to have a picture of who Anthony is and how his rookie year went. And you'll, if you follow along, you'll see all those puzzle pieces as they come in. Just no single one of them speaks for the whole. There is another OTA this week. It is on Friday. Um, the best thing to do might be to do some of these podcasts um, at least the next two weeks, if it's later in the week, kind of like this one where we're taping early in the week. So we're going to keep try to keep doing that. There will be a break with the podcasts later in this summer when both Nate and I are off. Uh, at the same time, the Colts are off. The only time the NFL schedule ever really gets quiet um, in, in late June and early July. Uh, until then, you know, we, we're going to keep going to practices and, and telling you what we're seeing and, and giving you our thoughts. I think the interesting thing right now is just, hey, we're going to get to see some first-team reps. Um, so, you know, well, well, the Colts are kind of winding down to the, uh, the break for, before training camp, uh, we'll be covering it. Keep your eye, uh, on indiestar.com for every store for the stories we're writing and, and, uh, to our Twitter accounts at Jolie Erickson. Um, and yours has a underscore in it, right? Uh, your, your Twitter handle. Sorry. My, uh. Network went out for a second. It's at me that. Yeah, and and so keep keep track of that. And keep track of that, and uh, until until the next podcast. This has been Joel Erickson and Nate Atkins. Again, apologies for the break. Uh, technical issues on my end were a big reason for that. <laughs>